You're listening to What the Folklore, making sense of senseless tales. Welcome back to What the Folklore, listeners. It's October now. Is it? Yes. Oh, there's a time warp happening. Yes. Let's do the time warp. This is not real time. We're speaking into the future. And the The future... future. I mean, yes, it's definitely October. (laughs) The future is October. This is a live show. Yes. We don't record these two weeks in advance. Ghost voice. (laughs) You're listening to episode 34 of What the Folklore. Definitely the spookiest... That wasn't ghostly at all. Yeah. Thank you. It's a three spooky, five me. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Next time. I guess this is this is the first one now. Yeah. The first spooky. So this is one spooky, two me, and then we'll increase numbers as we go. I'm not very fluent in spook math. That's how. That'll that's be, how it works. That'll be your task. During, My task. Yeah. Your, your ghost spook. math conversion to ghost math. Okay. I'm going to be tracking the the spook factor in real time according to some very, very complicated algorithms and equations. At least to date, this will be the spookiest. Yes. And we will hopefully increase in spooky levels as October continues. So my name is Carmen, and I am the ghost storyteller. I'm Gordy. We've covered my function. I'm ghost mathematician. I'm Tyler. I'm stocked up on s'mores and... Ecto coolers, ready to go. In the Ghostbuster box. Yeah, it's the spookiest juice box. <laughs> <laughs> spookiest juice box. So for this month of spooks and scares, we're going to embrace the. Oh, I was going to say giggles, but it doesn't work. <laughs> no, not, doesn't quite. Mm, not this time. Unless they're creepy Close. children. Spooks, <laughs> yeah. scares, and free candy. We- <laughs> Uh, we're going to embrace the whole Halloween spirit by telling some of the, the scarier side of folk tales. So I'm going to start out with a story today called The Juniper Tree. Uh, this one was recommended to us a while ago by Richard Sparrow, and it's one I've had on my radar for a while as well. It's generally considered the spookiest Grimm's tale available. So we're going to test its metal. And- I scare easily. Good. How many jump scares? About ten. Okay. You have to tell me when they're coming so I can put my hands over my eyes. <laughs> and then when I'm finished with the story, I have a challenge for you two. Okay. I want you to find me scarier. Can do. Out-scare out the juniper tree. Consider it done. I don't even need to listen. I think I already said my tax returns. Yes. Use oh, well. that joke. It's done. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have another one on tap. <laughs> um, you could say it again, but in a spooky voice. Tax returns. No, it's mine. <laughs> uh, I'll think of another one. It's okay. Stand by. Making doctor's appointments. Changing a light bulb that you don't understand. Calling strangers to make appointments. Woo! That's that's getting a reading. Yeah. That, that was one. a spook spookometer, spook seismograph, <laughs> whatever we're calling this thing. What are those called? I forget. Spooktographs. 
Good enough for me. Spookectralizers. Spooktometrists. I don't watch ghost hunter shows because I scare easily, <laughs> as I said. So I don't even know what the equipment's called. Right. After Effects. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Nailed it. Yeah. <coughs> now let's uh, let's see where the juniper tree ranks on the spooktrometer. Sure. Uh, this was, this is of course a Grimm. And Grimm's source for this story was the romantic painter Philip Otto Runge, who lived from 1777 to 1810. And uh, Runge's version was first published in 1808. Did he write it? I believe so. But he was a painter. Sometimes. So what is he doing? Why is he cross-classing? Sometimes we do that. I paint and write. I thought you had to choose one at birth and then stick to it. I mean, I had to lose ranks in both to... To get them both. He found a loophole. I've sunk a lot into bead animals. By having the grins. <laughs> I hope that wasn't a mistake. <laughs> You'll find your calling. <laughs> Here's a niche for everyone, right? That's still real. Deciding on your future occupation before you're prepared for the real world. Woo! That reached a, a 2.4. On the adult scale? Yeah. That's it's pretty good. It's cumulative, so like, it goes up. The more the more spooky things happen, and the less spooky things happen, it goes down. It, it reads the overall spookiness like of recent events. But for spookiness. Yeah. It can't measure one individual loud clap, but it does factor that loud clap <laughs> into, into the... Into the greater whole. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of math involved. I won't try to explain it. All right, well, with, with that... Do we, we have an Arn Thompson? Uh, it's Arn Thompson 720, the juniper tree. Oh. Ready? Yep. Prepare to be spooked. Long ago, at least 2,000 years ago, there lived a rich man with a beautiful and pious wife. This is already making me scared. I'm unsettled. This guy is way more successful than me. And he didn't even have a computer. (laughs) I know. I have the internet, and he's he's outpaced me by far. (laughs) 2,000 years ago, even. LinkedIn is doing nothing. (laughs) They wanted very much to have children. They prayed day and night, but children never came. In the front of their house was the juniper tree in a courtyard. One winter day, the woman was peeling herself an apple beneath it and cut her finger. Blood fell into the snow. She sighed heavily, looking at the blood, and felt herself get very happy. What? Looking at the blood, she wished for a child as red as blood and as white as snow. Why? As she said it, she felt content and sure it was going to happen this time. Why? Why would you wish for that? I don't know. What would that look like? If you're going to wish for a child, why can't you just be like, I wish I had a normal, healthy kid (laughs) that's not weird colored. Oops, pricked my finger. (laughs) The child white as snow and red as blood and occasionally black as raven's wings shows up all over the place. I mean, is that snow white with too much lipstick? Yeah. The original story of Snow White, I think, is cheeks as red as blood instead of lips as red as blood. What um, I was picturing is just a skinless child with a shock of white hair. Ew. It's <laughs> translucent, a translucent albino child. <laughs> yeah. That's what she's wishing for, an albino. With, like, blood on it. <laughs> a blood-spattered albino. <laughs> uh, two, two, what do you got, stork? 2.6. <laughs> on the spookometry. Yeah. 
A month goes by and the snow melts away. Two months passes and everything gets green. Three months pass and flowers start to bloom. In four months, the trees grow thick. And on the fifth month, the woman stands beneath the juniper tree, her heart leaping for joy from the sweet smell, and then falls on her knees and is beside herself. On the sixth month, the fruit was thick and large and she was quite still. On the seventh month, she picked juniper berries and ate greedily, and grew sick and sorrowful. The eighth month passes, and she calls her husband and cries and says, Bury me beneath the juniper tree if I should die. And then she felt comforted and happy. The ninth month, she had a child as white as snow and as red as blood, and when she saw the baby, she was so happy she died on the spot. Was this a surprise? I did it! Was there no build-up to this child? The, the weather outside was changing, and it's all she noticed. Preoccupied. Had a lot of stuff to do and didn't notice the pregnancy. <laughs> Just looking at that juniper tree, licking her lips, waiting for those berries. And she ate. <laughs> she eats so many, and she's like, "I'm probably just going to die." Like a month passes, and she thinks, "Nope, death is is coming. This is too many juniper berries." Uh, she is, of course, buried beneath the juniper tree, as was her wish. After a while, her husband's grief subsides, and he takes on another wife. They have a daughter together. Uh, the first man just what right happened, out the gate. What happened to the first kid? I, uh, he is a son, a little son, as red as blood and as white as snow. In case you forgot, the new wife loved her daughter very much, but she didn't like the thought of the boy getting all of the inheritance. So well, they, choose a different century. Yeah, sorry, lady. The evil one. <laughs> Wait two thousand years. The evil one filled her mind with the thought of the inheritance until she became abusive toward the boy. The evil one? Yes, the evil this one. Is the stepmom. Mr. Satan? Yes, Mr. Dr. Satan. <laughs> uh, so she starts pushing him into corners and hitting him, and he is always afraid to come home now. Yeah, I would be too. That sounds rough. One day, the woman is hanging out in her room, and her daughter comes in and asks for an apple. The woman gives her a beautiful apple from a chest with a large heavy lid and a large sharp iron lock. The daughter asks if her brother could have one, too, which makes the mother very angry, but she said yes when he gets back from school. How dare you speak of him? He's getting educated. Yeah. I mean, he is the boy. He has to. So the mother sees the boy coming home from school, and the evil one fills her up. She grabs the apple away from her daughter and tells her, you shall not have one before your brother. I don't... I'm not... Before her brother? Yes. She takes the apple away from her daughter and says, You shall not have one before your brother. Seems like a change of heart. Yeah, I don't know which don't, side Satan's on. I don't trust this. And she throws the apple back into the chest. I think maybe that's a, another inheritance jibe. Hmm. Like, you don't get this before your brother gets it. I'm mad so about just, that, but I'm going to take this apple from you. I'm going to make you hate him, too. Yeah. So just dig your heels in for disappointment. Mm -hmm. So the little boy comes in, and the woman says kindly, my son. Eat this apple! Do you want an apple? While looking very fierce. <laughs> She's got like forced gritted teeth smile. Yes. Leopard print on. Crazy perm. Just looking fierce. So this was like 30 years ago. <laughs> uh, the boy notes that she looks very angry. But yeah, an apple <laughs> sounds pretty tasty. I'll take an anger apple. So she guides him up to her room and opens the heavy lid of the chest and says, Go get one. Uh, he leans over to grab one of the apples and she slams the lid, beheading him and dropping his head among the red apples. Whoa, not a safe place to keep apples. No, why are you keeping them in a chest in your room? <laughs> they must not have been printing, like, baby care books. 
that included, that included like, child-proofing your house. I think that... Maybe that hadn't caught on yet. I think that Lucy has some splaining to do when Ricky gets home. Uh, yep, that's set. That's who I'm picturing for the rest of this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much the the spec, spec spook thing... What do we make up? Spooktrometer? <laughs> yeah. This is your, it's, it's gonna this be is your realm of expertise. Oh gosh, um, we'll see how this goes. Now, uh, the woman is suddenly fearful, having beheaded her son-in-law, stepson. Yeah, stepson, stepson. Okay. Yeah, uh, and she needs to find a way out of this mess, or she's gonna be in big trouble. So she goes to grab a white scarf. She puts the boy's head back on his neck again, and she ties it on with a scarf. Foolproof. She sets his corpse in a chair in front of the door and puts the apple in his hand. And then she walks away. A little bit later, her daughter Marlene comes into the kitchen where she's... Daughter has a name now. Yes. Okay. Boy does not. Boy does not. Mother does not. Father does not. Just Marlene. Okay. Uh, Marlene comes into the kitchen where her mother was stirring a pot of hot water. And Marlene says, her brother's sitting by the door, but he's totally white and holding an apple, and he doesn't answer when I ask him for it. And this is very scary. Uh, the mother says, well, go ask him again, and if he doesn't answer you, then box his ears. So Marlene runs off. This is a frame job. Yeah, yes. this, is, this is a setup. Marlene goes up to ask him. He, of course, is super dead and does not answer her. So she gets one hit in on the ears before his head goes tumbling off, and she is terrified. Yeah, and no kidding. Screaming and crying. And she thinks that it's her fault, and her mother runs up and acts horrified. Marlene, what have you done? Be quiet and don't let anyone know about it. It can't be helped now. We will cook him into stew. (laughs) Got it all figured out. Is that helping? Gets rid of the body. She can't be tried in a court. She's a minor. What are they going to... What charges are they going to bring up on this girl? I think helping her mother cook... This boy is going to be beneficial for her trauma. You think? You think that'll it's give her gonna closure? It's going to be very therapeutic. Hmm. I don't know about that. Mm-mm. Okay. Like you said, at the very least, it's closure. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, my brother's dinner now. I guess <laughs> that's really over. Well, the mother goes and takes the little boy's body, and chops it up into pieces, puts him in the pot, and cooks him into stew. Marlene is crying over the pot so much that they don't even need to add salt. (laughs) Money saving 101. (laughs) No salt, that's fine. Tears do just fine. It would be a great cooking show. (laughs) (laughs) Cooking with sadness. Yeah. (laughs) Pinch some pennies by just sobbing into the pot. Uh, The father gets home and immediately asks, Hey, where's my son? (laughs) <laughs> Just like every day. Oh, Dad. Studio audience laughs. Uh, mother serves him a large... <laughs> this is playing out very much like a, like a live sitcom. <laughs> uh, so he asks about the son, and the mother serves him a large, large dish of stew. And Marlene still could not stop crying. Father asks about the son again, and Mother says, Oh, he's gone across the country to his mother's great uncle to stay a while. What's he doing there? He didn't even say goodbye to me. He's eight. <laughs> you know his uncle's on the pot. <laughs> he can't go there by himself. I know you meant weed, but I just had this image of this, like, 
perpetual pooping, Uncle. It <laughs> doesn't sound fun. This man is in great need of rectum portal technology. Get that patent going. Saves lives. Saves that man's life. Well, he wanted to go, and he asked if he could stay six weeks. He'll be fine. Oh, why I'm unhappy. He should have said goodbye. And then the father starts to eat, and then and asks Marlene, Why are you crying? Your brother's going to be back. He has a lock on this situation. <laughs> yep. He's handling this really well. After diving into his dish of stew for a little while, he says, Rife, this food is delicious. Give me some more. And the more he ate, the more he wanted, until he says, You two will have none of this. It seems to me as if it were all mine. <laughs> and he ate and ate, throwing all the bones under the table until he was finished with all of the stew. All the bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't even be boneless uh, boy this, before I mean, putting him in stew. The suspiciously human-sized bones. I am no doctor, but I think I would be able to tell the difference between... I don't know, like a chicken bone and, and, a, f- and a just, boy's skull. just like a femur sticking out of the pot. <laughs> like this rib cage looks really human. These uh, this this foot bone looks awfully <laughs> human too. Oh, this chicken had the same broken finger that my son did. How odd! I wonder when he'll be back. We should write him a postcard. So when Dad's done eating all of some. Marlene grabs her best silk scarf, gathers all the bones from beneath the table, and ties them up in it, and then carries them to the juniper tree, now crying tears of blood. She's been at it for a while. <laughs> yeah, you run out the of salt. The tree? No, she is. Or... Marlene is... Oh, ooh. So I... when your body is... It's getting real salty. Yeah. Tapped yeah. out of... What does it use to make tears? Is it just... I assume it's just water. It's like, it's not sailing. special, right? Yeah. It's just salt, salt and... and... Extra saliva. <laughs> just drooling just out of your eyes. <laughs> Ooh. I don't know. Maybe all the uh, the scraping of the salt from the tears after a certain point just chafes and just, just start bleeding. Yeah. Does that work for other bodily functions, like other liquid emissions? If your body is so tapped for moisture, does it just just swap in blood and like hope nobody will notice the difference. If you drool unceasingly while you sleep, eventually you just start drooling blood. Yeah. That is why Gatorade is so essential these days. You have to hydrate nearly constantly or your body will just start leaking blood. We need liquid and this is the one we've got the most of. I wrote the pipes. That's a good Bond villain. What? They had the guy who cries blood in Casino Royale. Why not just amp that up a little bit? He does everything in blood. He's the hippopotamus. What? They sweat blood, don't they? They what? What? Hippos sweat blood? I think so. It's like 4-8 on the spook spook (laughs) trollizer. Hippos sweating blood is immensely more upsetting than anything else I've heard. Somehow I don't think this is true, but that's worth looking into. I mean, I'll defer to you, because you definitely know animals better than I do, but I vaguely remember learning that fact at some point. I have never heard that. They sweat blood. Yeah, maybe they cry it. I don't know. Something's going on with hippo blood. (laughs) Do hippos cry? It's existential. What makes the hippo cry? We're going to have to look into that one later. I know there are lizards that can, like, creep blood or shoot blood out of their eyes as a defense mechanism. I have never heard of a hippopotamus. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pulling this one up. 
Um, I, yeah, I don't know what service it has. That, that, I don't know if they curiosity. are wired for that. <laughs> I would believe that about an octopus. They for don't sure. Need to. Huh? They don't even need to. They don't need to, but I believe they could if they wanted to. They can do anything they want. So Marlene brings the, the bones and places them beneath the juniper tree and feels suddenly better and stops crying, which is probably good because she's going to need that blood inside of her <laughs> for a living. Scoop that stuff up. Get it back inside. Yeah. Yeah, the juniper tree then begins to move, almost as though the branches were rejoicing. Mist seemed to rise from the tree, and the center of the mist burned like fire, and a beautiful bird flew out of the fire, singing and flying high into the air, and the cloth with the bones had vanished. Marlene suddenly felt as happy as if her brother were still alive, and goes back into the house to eat her dinner. That all happened while she was standing there? Yeah, she just watches this. And she doesn't she doesn't investigate further or no she goes back inside question. and eats dinner, which is not her brother anymore because her dad ate all of that. <laughs> this is not a very inquisitive family. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Phoenix brother. I wish you'd just given me your apple. <laughs> so much of this could have been solved so easily. Like this girl did not investigate his body the first time. Nor does she investigate the disappearance of his bones. Why is he wearing my mother's scarf? Why All is there that's uncharacteristic? Why is there blood seeping through this white silk scarf? Yeah, decapitation is hard to cover up. <laughs> Via scarf? I think. Because there's a there's a tube Full. somewhere in there and I think it has a lot of blood in it. Yeah. Um Which doesn't just, you know, stop. It it doesn't just leak if you sever it suddenly. <laughs> It didn't we'll, say we'll how say long that. they were up in the attic, though. Doesn't doesn't clot. Maybe that he well. cried most of it out beforehand. Yeah, he got bullied on the playground, and so he <laughs> cried most of his blood out on the way Ooh. home. Is that, then, a, is that a good way to stop getting bullied or to get bullied more? I think. I don't know. I think if anyone you're going to make very specific friends that way. <laughs> Probably yes. <laughs> cry blood on the playground. I think if anyone cried blood at me, I would I would be very terrified. I would probably call a hospital. Yeah, I mean, if I were a bully, I don't know that that would be my course of action. But fear would probably be a part of that. At the very least, you distance yourself. Yeah. Because In you don't know if contagious. that's airborne or contagious. The bird flies to the goldsmith's house and sings, "My mother, she killed me. My father, he ate me." My sister Marlene gathered all my bones, tied them in a silken scarf, laid them beneath the juniper tree. Tweet, tweet. What a beautiful bird am I. Top that. Goldsmith was sitting in his uh, workshop making a golden chain. How's your day been, Goldsmith? Whoa, this is a new person. Yes. Okay. The bird flew to the goldsmith's house and sang okay. this song. Bird, goldsmith was making a golden chain when he heard the bird singing. And he thinks the song is beautiful and goes out into the street, even though he lost one of his slippers on the threshold trying to get out there. That's how eager he is to find this bird. It's a billboard topping song. <laughs> yep. He still cares. He's, he's running out to invent auto-tune. <laughs> Doesn't care about the mystery. <laughs> he sees, he smells a platinum record. He dabbles in music agency. And so he runs out, one slipper on, one foot barefoot, still carrying his golden chain and his tongs. He finds the bird, compliments the bird on its singing, and asks if he can sing it again. You're going to be a star, kid. (laughs) Stick with me. I'm going to go right to the top. (laughs) 
The bird says, I don't sing twice for nothing, so give me that chain and I'll sing it again. And the goldsmith hands over the chain and the bird repeats the song. Bird flies. Fair transaction? Yep. The bird flies the chain to the shoemaker and sits outside his workshop and sings, My mother, she killed me. My father, he ate me. My sister Marlene gathered all my bones, tied them in a silken scarf, laid them beneath the juniper tree. Tweet, tweet. What a beautiful bird am I. He went to it doesn't even rhyme. A shoemaker thinks it's gorgeous and calls all his family and staff and servants to come hear it while they admire the beautiful bird who has red and green feathers and a neck like pure gold. And, and bling. And eyes that shine say, like this, stars in his head. This bird is blinged out. Now he's getting some fresh kicks. <laughs> and I hope he visits a clockmaker next <laughs> so he can get one attached onto that chain. The bird then this visits is... the Viking helmet smith. This is a Flavor Flav origin story. (laughs) Uh, The bird once again refuses to sing without payment, and he asks the shoemaker for a pair of red shoes from his workshop. The shoemaker's wife goes in and gets those, gives them to him. The bird repeats his song and flies off with the chain in his right claw and the shoes in his left. He lights onto a linden tree in front of the mill and sings the song, and with each line of the song, more men stop working at the mill until no one is working anymore. And they ask him to repeat it, but the bird requires the millstone before he will sing the song again. What are you going to do with that, bird? You're a bird. Hmm. I think Monty Python math is going to become very relevant in a second. (laughs) It took 20 men to heave up the millstone, and the bird stuck his neck through the stone and flies up to the tree to repeat the song. Just carries the... Yeah, it's on his neck, like... Becoming more and more implausible. <laughs> I'm starting to see some plot holes in this story. The bird then flies to his father's house. The family is sitting at the table at dinner, and the father is telling everyone about how happy he feels. <laughs> Boy, am I falling content. The wife says she feels like a bad storm is coming, and Marlene is just crying again. Regular? Yeah, just normal, normal yeah. tears. It's just a roller coaster with this family. Uh, the bird flies up to the roof, and the father says he feels so happy, just as though he was about to see some old acquaintance again. The wife says she is so afraid that her teeth are chattering, and there's fire in her veins. She tore open her bodice a little bit to cool off. Uh, Marlene is still nice. crying. <laughs> hmm. The bird flies... <laughs> the, the ancient German Fifty Shades of Grey. That's how it starts. The bird flies to the juniper tree and sings, My mother, she killed me. The mother stops up her ears and shuts her eyes, but her ears roared like a fierce storm and her eyes burned like lightning. My father, he ate me. Oh, what a beautiful bird singing so splendidly and the sun shining so warmly, says the father. <laughs> this man is not gifted at synecdoche. <laughs> My sister, Marlene. Marlene cries and cries, and the father says, I'm going to go out and see this bird. The woman begs him not to go. She feels like the whole house is shaking and on fire, but he goes anyway. Gathered all my bones, tied them in a silken scarf, laid them beneath the juniper tree. Tweet, tweet. What a beautiful bird am I. It's got to be a giveaway. Somebody has to realize now. The father goes out beneath the, the juniper tree and sees the bird, and at the end of his song, the bird drops the golden chain around the man's neck. And he goes back inside to show off his swanky new chain. Look! Bling! (laughs) His wife is terrified. I've been 
bestowed with bird bling. It's like a JRPG character. <laughs> His wife is terrified, falls on the floor, and her cat falls off her head. What? Cap? Her cat. Oh, her, yeah, her hat. I heard yeah, cat. So did I. Like, hold on, we skipped something. <laughs> Pratfall antics. <laughs> Just a little slapstick going on in the background. Slide whistle. <laughs> as, as they said in Futurama, just because it's dramatic scene doesn't mean you can't do some comedy in the background. <laughs> the bird is now singing relentlessly. My mother, she killed me. I wish I were a thousand fathoms beneath the earth so I would not have to hear that. My father, he ate me. The woman falls down as though she's dead. Dad just claps along. I love yeah. this verse. <laughs> My sister Marlene. Oh, I'll go out too and see if the bird will give me something. <laughs> Gathered all my bones, tied them in a silken scarf. She goes out, and the bird throws the shoes down to to Marlene. Laid them beneath the juniper tree. Tweet, tweet. What a beautiful bird am I. Marlene is now contented and happy with her shiny new shoes, and she yeah. goes to show them off to her family. No, said the wife, jumping to her feet, with her hair standing up like flames of fire. I feel as if the world were coming to an end. I, too, will go out and see if it makes me feel better. So she steps... What? <laughs> Does she know what's happening? Does she realize? She steps out of her house, and the bird throws the millstone onto her head, which obviously crushed her to death. Father and Marlene rush out at the noise. Smoke, flames, and fire are rising from the place where it smashed down on her. <laughs> Just straight to hell. And when the the flames calmed down, there Marlene's little brother was was standing there, and he took his father and Marlene by the hand, and all three were very happy and went into the house and sat down at the table and ate. I'm chilled to my core. Think you can find me spookier? It's a tough order, <laughs> but I think it's out there. All right, let's discuss the intricate horrors the story had for us. was the spookiest part when satan showed up <laughs> and told that woman what to do mm. that was the only jump scare <laughs> you think so yeah the millstone falling onto her head i guess you see that coming yeah it's telegraphed um, oh, yeah. the chest slamming down and beheading him wasn't a jump scare no it's a jump scare right i think it would be in a in a film setting, like, it could be like the it camera could be presented as such. the camera's inside the chest for that shot, right? Clearly, so like this kid is reaching, leaning forward toward you into darkness. Ooh, especially if you saw like the devil's face crossing it over the mother's face for a second. When, when she's about to slam the, the chest down, like the evil one fills her mind with these things, and so that's visually represented with her, her face changing very subtly. Into Polly Shore. Sure. That's if that's who Satan is in your head. Sticking with it. Okay. So it just transforms for that second, <laughs> and then head lopped off. You can also jump scare uh, Marlene's discovery of her brother's death. Probably less so because the audience knows. Yeah. But it's still her discovery of the death. When the head rolls off. Oh. Uh. Yeah. I mean. When the audience knows. At that that's point. that's dramatic irony, right? Yeah. When the audience knows something that the character doesn't. Yeah. Why would she choose a white scarf? 
details. Like that Maybe it seems, was just on hand. That's all she had. It just seems like it would be pretty obvious looking at like. Uh, Why would the first mother choose a skinless boy? Yeah. <laughs> that that's still what weirds me out is why if you're gonna make a wish why not just shoot for healthy and white as snow and red as blood shows up all the time and every time I read it I'm just trying to picture this child and I, I feel like I should paint that, this at some point cause... That's symbolic like is that is that more figurative I guess than literal probably. I mean, I mean they're, they're pale people. Being really pale, especially in the 1800s, late 1700s, when this was written. Yeah. Is it only an appearance, or is it is it more figurative? Where she's asking that he be pure like snow, and something red. <laughs> I only got I only got the snow part. I I don't See, you know. Don't you can't give wish granters that kind of variance to work with. <laughs> This woman needs to learn lessons in specificity. Because there's... I mean, there's Snow White. There's this kid. There's a whole separate tale called Snow White Rose Red. I feel like there are others where a mother wants a child as white as snow and as red as blood. And in several variations on the juniper tree, that's a wish. You know, murder, murder sometimes different, different means of killing a child. There's more than one way to kill a kid. Yep. And this, uh, this Iron Thompson type explores a lot of them. Good. Is that what the type refers to? Like stepmother murdering a child? And a sibling honoring their body. Hmm. And then I, th- I think the revenge story is also a part of all of them. It's an odd revenge. Millstone to the head? I mean, it worked. It's straightforward revenge. It is. I don't think he needed like any participation from anybody else. It's strange that no one warned her. Who the mother? Yeah. Oh, like like dad. Like we each got a present, but the only thing it has left is a millstone. Bird has three <laughs> things. I don't think you want the last one. <laughs> also, how can they sit? Okay, <laughs> all right. Good point. Because this bird is sitting in a juniper tree with a millstone that requires twenty minutes to lift, sitting around his neck. So that's probably going from like ground to tree, and I just see this tiny bird head sticking out of the, the end of it. So, Singing a song and spitting presents at them. How is the bird the first thing they notice? Like, that is, that is true. They should think that they're being invaded by, like, obelisk people. <laughs> and no one seems to understand the lyrics of the song. Yet yeah, no one cares. It's just catchy. No one, no one follows up on that at all. I thought, I thought he was trying to tell other people, and they might avenge him. It was the blurred lines of its day. Uh-huh. Everyone just thought it was a catchy summer tune. But it was really about murder and terror. Yep. yep. Mm. The creepiest part of the story to me is when the undead boy calmly appears in flame and smoke. That was his deal with Satan. Holds the hands of his father and sister and guides them back into the house where they calmly eat dinner as though this woman did not just die in their lawn. Yeah, they do not seem to care. Or question, about anything. Question how he came back. They are very I mean, passive. Dad was oblivious people. to literally everything in the story, so it's true. Not too terribly concerned about that. Yeah, I'm they, not even um, sure he knew that he had a second wife. 
There's another woman moved in. There's just a, and there like, was just a span where wife was not present, and then suddenly wife had returned. I'm like, oh, he, I missed you. Let's have a, just, I missed you, wife. Let's make another child. Yeah. He thought she had just gone to the grocery store. Went to visit his pooping brother. <laughs> That's who I wanted to show up. <laughs> Ceaselessly pooping uncle. uncle. Runs. This could, this could have been this could have been a redemption story about how the uncle finally gets control of his own metabolism enough <laughs> to get up and be able to travel. Be a triumphant moment for him. It's like at the end of Independence Day when that crazy guy with the plane S- sorts it out. Yeah, it's that part of the movie. I like the idea of this boy as a vengeful ghost, and that that has not changed. At the end of this story, like he's not really back to life. He's a ghost. Yeah. Is he a ghost? Yeah, it, it doesn't say. They didn't have a meter. But I, I like. <laughs> no the, way to tell. I like the idea of him being a ghost that has gone and haunted this town for his revenge, murder somebody, and is manipulating the minds of his family to forget about her immediately. And he's going to live out his ghost life, and they're going to just be trapped in the reality he makes for them because he is. <laughs> Like seven, <laughs> so more trucks, <laughs> more Pokemon cards. I'm not saying he's gonna like force them to do stuff. I'm saying he he's forced gonna... everyone else in town to do stuff to learn the rules to Pokemon to give him things. I'm just saying he's gonna manipulate their reality so that they. That's not the worst. If you just set up like a local Pokemon league, <laughs> <laughs> at least it wasn't Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. So. I guess my question to that is, why did he think the two things missing from his life was a sweet gold chain around his dad's neck and some new kicks for his sister? It's like, if I could come back, I want to make two changes. <laughs> then my life would be perfect forever. I mean, the shoes are definitely a reward for Marlene. I don't know what his father has done to be rewarded. I mean, he ate his, Nothing. his body and... A chain around and, a neck would and be symbolic. loved it. Of something. But it's a gold chain. It's gold bling. He's a rich man, and maybe the chain around his neck is symbolic of him being chained to his money-making schemes. And the shoes are, you're going places, Marlene. And Marlene is chained to the dance. To the spirit of the dance. But it could also just be bait. (laughs) Bait? Yeah, like... Once the mother sees people getting nice stuff, she'll... Yeah, rule of threes. She'll go outside. Man, he he nailed it then. I guess I guess he's the only fairy tale character who has subverted the rule of threes. He used it to his advantage. Yeah, he manipulated yeah. the rule he of threes. He used it specifically for vengeance. Just as he manipulated his family, and he's got to be—he's an angry ghost. Ghosts don't come back capable of holding millstones and murdering people without a lot of rage. Except this one. <laughs> and so, I mean, I guess that would explain that away. But the millstone? The, the bird carrying the 20-man strong millstone. Yeah, he's not a bird, he's a ghost. Sure. An angry, vengeful ghost. And that anger probably is not going to dissipate just with the death of the woman who killed him. You don't think he his... He did light her on fire also. You don't think his earthly was business overkill. was concluded? No, he's still he's still there, undead ghost's son. Do you think he disappears after he eats dinner? <laughs> Maybe. The uh, circle is complete. That was his unfinished business. I have eaten an apple. I didn't have supper tonight and I'm cranky. <laughs> I require an apple post-dinner and then I am done. It's either that or he stays on as this vengeful poltergeist who keeps his family trapped 
than a reality of a seven-year-old's making. If you're going to get a ghost, that's that's not a bad one. You notice the ghost. The ghost, what can I do for you? What business do you have that's unconcluded? You go, how about an apple? <laughs> and it's like, I got you, fam. And then you throw one over. Keeps the doctor away. Ooh! <laughs> Just blows up into the sky. <laughs> Maybe more ghosts are fruit-based than we think. It would be hard to appease, certainly. And that would lead to more hauntings. What, the fruit? Yeah. Because people just don't understand. Yeah. Or because they are physically incapable. Both. Of eating fruit. They want a thing that they can never have, and we don't know that they want it. Because <laughs> so they we can't even try. Because they won't communicate clearly like normal people. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> like, like ghosts. <laughs> like ghosts with sense. <laughs> Most of my problems with this story would be fixed if people would just use basic logic and common sense and look around them. Be observant. Yeah, if they would just, like, question things a little bit <laughs> and investigate on their own without being prompted. I do feel like a transaction took place between the tree and this boy. I'll take your bones Because his bones were provided, and then it started to shimmy and shake and shout out a phoenix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. It's like a coin-op machine. <laughs> Insert bones, get vengeful fe- phoenix ghost bird. Poops out a bird. And you get a prize. In this case, your dead son reincarnated as a bird. <laughs> Fueled by pure rage. And beautiful songstressing. I guess. People said it was beautiful. It didn't have, like... I can't... Any sort of, like, syncopated beat or anything. Yeah, I can't... It's pretty straightforward. ...how that would turn into a song. Like, I was playing around with tunes in my head, but you would have to remove several syllables to make it work. It's supposed to be beautiful enough to make a goldsmith... Give up a gold. ...and a shoemaker give up shoes, and an entire working mill give up... Their only, their only means of livelihood. Yeah. So what's on the docket for next week? I don't know. It's not my responsibility. Oh, right. We're doing a challenge thing. Yeah. I gotta find a story. You gotta do yes. work. Alright, let me do a quick Google search. But, 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 type, 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 got one. I'm gonna read The Flatal Woman. The Flatal Woman? Flayed Old Woman. I like Flatal Woman better. Make that work. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. All right, so get ready. I hope it's spooky. It's gonna spook your socks off. Not even wearing socks. I'm pre spooked. (laughs) Gordy, I'm coming for you. What would you rate? Your socks are mine. (laughs) I just bought new ones. I can't lose any (laughs) more. What would you rate today's story? Spooktrometer. Yeah, I mean I have the official readout, but where do you think we got to on just a basic? Zero to ten scale. I'd give it a B out of five. You're pretty close. There's a correct answer. I mean, I I know what the machine what tells the me. Says. Yeah, okay. which is which is pure science. Right. I have a five point three, but I won't tell you what scale I'm measuring on. It's the square root of those two. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa. Of the sum of the two. That machine it's... is spooky. You're it's, right. It's 5 over B plus <laughs> whatever you said, then square root. You'll have to translate this into a definitive ranking at the end of October. 
Okay. Which is the spookiest and... <laughs> There's time yet. I can make stuff up by then. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> so we'll see you for the flayed old woman. Get ready. Stay safe, everyone. Sleep tight. Ooh. Keep your skin on. This has been What the Folklore. Thanks for listening to our show. If you have any feedback for us, you can leave it either by Gmail or Facebook. Our Gmail account is wtfolklore at gmail.com, and our Facebook page can be found at facebook.com slash wtfolklore. Feel free to send in stories if you have any particularly odd pieces of folklore mythology that you would like to hear us talk about. Special thanks to the Brobdingnagian Bards for the use of their song Happily Ever After from their album Brobdingnagian Fairy Tales.